Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name's Alan. It's Jake. <laughs> We've got Brother Jake with us today. Um, Josh is good. I know his work schedule. He's swamped right now doing construction and different things, so he'll be back with us uh, this next week. We're very thankful that Brother Jake could come join us. Um, and as you guys know, we told you last week as we wrapped up spiritual gifts, uh, you know, we talked about what it means to have a spiritual gift, what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, and why we do what we do. Um, and then we told you all that this week we're going to start with kind of our introduction of theology. Um, and so before we even start, you know, we're going to kind of do an overview of the four things. We're, so kind of today we're going to talk about Calvinism, traditionalism, Arminianism, and universalism. And we've got just some brief things like a little history little overview. Um, we're not going to get like fully in depth into each theology and kind of the biblical principles that they stand by. Um, we'll probably talk about a few of them and the idea of why it's there or what it represents. Um, but, you know, I want to say this, that when we talk about theology, I, I think a lot of people kind of use theology and they're like, you know, oh, this is only for, that's a smart man's word. It's not a smart man's word. Um, it's not an educated man's word. When you look at the term theology, I mean, it's made of the word theos, which is God, and the word logos, which is word. And so when you literally look at the study of theology, you're talking about the study of God's word. And so when we talk about this, you know, a lot of people study God's word. And when you look at the the term, you know, well, they're theologians. Well, th- th- that's not a sect group. Like, that's not just this elite group of men. This is anyone who studies the Word of God, anybody who goes through the Word of God. And the thing, though, is when you do look at theology, there is this idea of this group's theology. So it's like the way that they view Scripture, the way that they study Scripture. Well, then this group over here, this is how they study Scripture. And a lot of these things are formed after a man a man kind of goes through his interpretation of Scripture, his convictions. He cr- has a following that creates, and then in different ways it kind of explodes into this whole idea of like, well, this is what the Bible says, but really it's just a man's interpretation of Scripture. And we're going to go through these four. I think you know we're going to talk about probably like the pros and cons of each. Um, and then if one of them's just completely wrong, which I'm going to be honest with you, there's two of them, um, in light of scripture, you know, we'll talk about that too and we'll state why, but you know, it's kind of like a few weeks ago, I had this conversation with this girl, she was going to this church and she just started really studying out theology and the history of the Christian church. And she was like talking about the notes that she took from her pastor and she was kind of going through them and she's like, do you know what Arminianism is? And I was like, yeah, an Arminius, I know what that is. And she's like, well, I've been taking the notes that our pastor has been giving us and like preaching through And I've been comparing them to this Arminius view, and like they're like word for word. She said, I think that our pastor lines up with his theology. And she's like, that's a problem to me. So what does she do? Well, she goes and, you know, tells her husband, like, look at all these things. And he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, he didn't know what that was, so he learned, and then he saw it. This pastor? Huh? No, no, no. This is just a random girl and her husband. They went to this church. Not this church. No, 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 not this church. This is somewhere else. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we need to go get our pastor right now and talk to him. No, but they ended up through prayer, ended up deciding that they need to go to another church where they completely agree with the preaching and the doctrine that's presented. And so theology is important. 
theology matters, but there's also sides of it that like men have really took to a whole nother level of like men's wisdom. And I hope that the through today's podcast listeners, I know we've got some faithful folks that don't miss, and you you, you listen every week, and we thank you for. But but if you're like me, when you were raised in, in a rural community, and your religious education was basically you know a group of about the same yeah. fifty people that met every week, and 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 it was uh, uh, you know just kind of sealed off from the rest of the world. I was raised with this misconception that everybody believed the exact yeah. same way that I did. Yeah. That's well, true, Alan. I think the That's historic true. the historic element in uh, what we'll cover in the next few weeks, uh, there's there's value in just the, the historical events and the progress and the process that took place through all this. So hopefully we can cover that in depth and, and give our listeners a little bit of help. Well, it's even like when you look at so like I mean here here's a good common script I mean scripture that really kind of sets the standard like Second Timothy three sixteen, all scriptures inspired. This is the NASB. All scriptures inspired by God, beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. And it also mentions like some a lady as well, a woman. Um, but when we look at hey Al <laughs> Gazuga, you know that's, what I'm that's saying my, my Uga horn. So when you look at this passage, which you know this is the NASV 2020, and so it says any man or woman, right? They have the word of God before them that they can study, and it's good for reproof, it's good for training in righteousness, and so we've got to study God's word to go through this. But you know, I hope maybe some people that listen to this might be like, okay. That was was Josh texting me. Oh, well, good. (laughs) He's praying for us. Okay. Well, good. Hey, Josh. Um, But when you look at this idea of like, someone might listen to this, and we might go through a specific one of these, and they might be like, whoa, like our our church kind of stands in that, or our pastor preaches like that, then this might provoke someone to get into the Word or even kind of go to their leadership and say like, hey, you know, is this how you go? Is this how you study? Like, do you support this guy? It's healthy. Because I think a lot of pastors, in a sense, like, they have their biblical convictions. But I think there's guys out there that kind of side with one party, but they kind of never tell anybody. They just preach like that. But yet, within the way that they might pursue a certain man's theology, there might be biblical error. Um, and, And I think people need to not listen to this. I think people need to study. I think people need to pay attention. Absolutely. And I think that you'll you'll understand my level of knowledge on this through this it's gonna it's gonna be revealed because literally i knew very little until we started preparing for this and i started reading and studying on it so i'll probably do a lot of listening and i probably fit in the category you just described i probably have some of these uh attributes or elements in my own belief system didn't know where they came from didn't know why i had them but didn't even know they were a part of calvinism or anything like that but Yet, now as I learn, I can understand better. And I'll probably do a lot of listening and not as much input <laughs> through the next few weeks. <laughs> well, well, go ahead, Jake. Everybody has their – everybody has and, – and this goes back to what you said about being taught, you know, relying completely on that 50 group, Sunday school teachers, deacons, pastors. You grew up in the same church. And uh, what's been presented and what happens sometimes is – even that can be inconsistent, and so it's it's important. It's important, and you can't ever you know discount 
the fact of your alone time with Scripture and Christ and God and your prayer life uh, before you're a theologian, you're a servant of God, uh, you're seeking God's will, you're seeking His. And, and the word theology, it's like a you know the study of the nature of God. So what they're what we're trying to do, and what men have tried to do for centuries, is describe, develop, yeah, uh, present the nature of God through yeah. Scripture. And that's where, you know, you, you get your discrepancies. That's where, you know, men like John Calvin, Joseph Armini, or Jacob Armini, which one was it? Is it Joseph it's or Jacob? It's Jacob. It's Jacob. Jacob. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you, you like we talked, Richard Rohr and Universal Christ. Uh, you got Pharisees is, is where I would go to with the traditions, where they've, they've traditionalism. Yeah. They've had, uh, traditions, things. But, you know, somebody, a lot of times... One thing I have found, as you study and as you, you read after men and people, uh, always go back to the Bible. Always go back to the Bible. Your relationship. Good, good advice. Yes. It, it's formed even as great of a theologian as Alan Lovin is. <laughs> go to the Bible. Yeah. You know, and uh, like, you know, it's like we sit under, you know, great preaching this morning. I don't even know what today's date is, but if you weren't here, get the sermon uh, sermon that was preached this morning it, even that has sparked in my mind and I'm going back for myself and studying you know things out so I guess that's a long way of saying study the book um, you know your theology needs to be a long time you and Christ and then find mentors people in you know the church yeah uh, believe with you ask those questions uh, don't take just something somebody preacher preached on youtube it's truth uh, you know, line it up with the book yeah it's the standard given to us yeah and you know when you look at kind of like you were saying with like the study of god's nature there there's a reality that like this bible does not revolve around a man's interpretation like this is god's word i mean that's what we when we study out like you know in this text in second timothy three sixteen, you get this phrase you know god breathe and the greek for that's like theopnostos which is like god literally gave god breathed this so like in reality the standard isn't man's interpretation the standard is how god gave it mm-hmm. and when we look at scripture i mean we have to understand that scripture says that these men were carried by the holy spirit right they were influenced by the holy spirit to write these things down so in reality, we're trying to get to that context. We have to get to that context. It's so important. I mean, to make that statement again, because I think it, it has enough value in it to where oh, the, yeah. we, we emphasize it even more. Uh, if I tell, if we're in a room full of people and I tell somebody something and they turn and tell it to the person next to them and they turn and tell it to the person and it, it's quiet and they're whispering it and nobody knows what's being passed. By the time it gets back around to me, it could, it's nowhere near. You know, yeah. heard anybody use that example? Mm-hmm. So when you add a, a, the human fleshly, even in their best, our abilities, there's always that yeah. that er- erroneous portion of us that even despite our best efforts, we mess up and we make mistakes. Yeah. yeah. And you and go if ahead. you go if you look at it too, one thing I want to add to that because you to in context in context. Um, so many times you hear people say, well, you can read this passage and get this. I can read that passage and get this. Yes, you can get, you know, principles and doctrines. And, and yes, you know, you can, you can read, you know, for God so loved the world. And, and that may, God may take those words and 
really produce something in your life and that he gave his only begotten son that that may resonate in you more but at the end of the day that verse means what it means exactly yeah in context what it means so if i text you and i say alan i'm gonna wreck your truck you can ask a bunch of questions is he in his truck fixing to hit my truck or Oh, no, where's my keys? Is he driving my truck? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of questions that you can ask about that text. Yeah. I'm going to wreck your truck. But if if you know the context of everything around that text of what's been happening, yep. how things are going, yep. it sheds light to the truck. Yep. And that is Scripture. You take that verse in light of that chapter, in light of that book, in light of the New Testament or the Old Testament, in light of historical facts, that's where you discern theology and the nature of god it, it, it all lines up in and of itself it's said here repeatedly we need to continue to say it and press it scripture will verify scripture. yeah and like a, a good example of kind of what jake just said is like right here in second timothy 4 we could read two verses paul says this in verse 7 i've fought the good fight i've finished the course i've kept the faith verse 8 in the future there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day. Well, not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So like, you know, Jake and Alan and me could hear that and Jake could get hung up, right? So the thing that could stick out is fighting the good fight. And God might examine Jake's life and reveal to him how he's not fighting the good fight or he is or something. Um, you know, Alan, right? Alan could get hooked up on this phrase, I've kept the faith. And God could work on out. How have you kept the faith in going and ministering the word? And then, you know, I could get hung up on this last part about a crown of righteousness reserved for those who love his appearing, right? And God could convict me of that and say, you know, are you doing everything you can since you say you love Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, in that context, we might learn three different things, but if we put the verses together, it still means the same thing. You can't use it as a fortune cookie. Mm -mm, exactly. And no, don't preach uh, the crown of righteousness without fighting the good fight. Yeah. Exactly. It's all in together. It's just like uh, the nature of God, like we talked about in Sunday yep. school. Yep. Uh, he, he walks by and says, I'm merciful, I'm loving kindness, but uh, sins are going to be punished. Yeah. You, you can't present one without the other, because if you do, then you're missing the, the nature of God. Yeah, and... You know, when we look at these different theologies, I guess my concern is that some of these theologies has have existed for so long that people are to the point where they've grown up under these things, and they're like, "No, this is just this is God's word. This is how it is." Yeah, yeah. And you know, our pastor, granddaddy says, yeah. And our pastor, in a different context, is talking about how like some things crept into the church, and no one took a stand. No one said this. So now it's to the point where, you know, we have people that are brought up under like an Arminius view of Scripture. And they're like, no, this is how it is. When in reality, it's like here at this church, you know, we press into Scripture. It's Scripture. What kind of, it's like someone asks, what do you all use? What do you believe in? I'm like, Scripture's our authority. That's what we go by. If you want uh, any answers of how we view things, just open your Bible and look for the, I mean, it's there. But the reality is, is like I didn't grow up under theologies. I grew up under a traditional view of this is, like you said, this is how everybody believes. But it's like I've come into these things like a, later in life, like an awareness of them. And, you know, I do agree with one over the other. I do agree with how this man preached. I do agree with how he said this. But it's like 
I don't agree with it because of the man. I agree with it because of the context. And I feel like a lot of people kind of praise these men. When in reality, it's like when we talk about John Calvin, he didn't want the praise. He didn't want all these things. He was upset, according to history. John Calvin is upset because they started coining the phrase Calvinist. Yeah. You know, in Reformed theology, John Calvin, though this is truth, is what he declared. And when they started coining his name to it, it actually upset him. Um when I read that for the first time, that helped me mm-hmm. concerning him. He didn't want it named after him. Yeah. How many guys would have, you know, in today's world? And when you go through, like, make sure you spell it right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and when you. Did, did you uh, did, did you put uppercase letters or lowercase? <laughs> but, like, when you look at his book, right, when he wrote all the Institutes of Christian Religion, like, he does stand for his convictions. He does provide biblical truth, but, like, you don't see, like, Tulip. The five points. You don't see that. It's just a man expositorily explaining Scripture based on how he interprets it. And do I agree with a lot of it? Absolutely. Do I agree with... Do I not agree with some of it? We'll get into that later on. I don't want to give a lot of things. But Calvinism is the first one we're going to talk about today. Uh, And so we all kind of have the same notes. Um, And I'm going to read through some of this. And then we're going to have a a discussion. So uh, Calvinism... John Calvin, remember that name. So Calvinism, um, also called Reformed tradition or Reformed Protestantism. And a lot of things is like, if you look at it, the Protestant Reformation, right, when the Protestants broke away from the Catholic Church and established their own Protestant Church, a lot of this stuff kind of stems back to that history um, you could even look at how, like, Martin Luther, right? Martin Luther had his own group of followers, um, but he played into that, right? Because he took everything that the Catholic Church was hiding and gave it for the common man. And you see this Reformation take place, and, I mean, it really stems back to Martin Luther and what he did. Mm-hmm. But they identified after that as Reformed Protestants, in a sense. So it's a major branch of Protestantism that follows a theological tradition and forms of Christian practice set down, right here, by John Calvin and other Reformation-era theologians. It emphasizes the sovereignty of God and the authority of the Bible. Now, this is pulled straight from Wikipedia. You guys might be like, oh man, Wikipedia, listen... Um, I, I've studied this out in different ways. I've had to go through this in school. Jake's very well informed on this, Alan. So what we do is we compare. Was that Joe? That looked like Joe. Dude, you you need to turn your phone off and tell your family to quit coming in and <laughs> trying to do a podcast. Don't take bro. the belt off. Take the hanger tape. So when you when you uh, he could have came in. It don't matter. He could have came in here, but. Uh, he heard John Calvin and ran. So, <laughs> so I'll say this: uh, this information I, I we're quoting from Wiki, it's very it's accurate. And so, you know, what I I like, and we're going to talk about the history just here in, in a second, is um, Reformed theology in a nutshell focuses on how powerful God is and how weak man truly is. And here's a quote by John Calvin himself. We must make clear in what way the world is ruled by God's providence, since everything that happens depends on His determination. And so, guys, before I talk about like this little brief history, um, so we have this idea, right, that John Calvin, his view of Scripture is this idea that God is completely 
powerful. God is completely sovereign. Sovereign means control, right? So he's completely in control of a providence. And so it's like he rules all things. So they see how big God is and how strong God is and how powerful he is. But it's not based off a new principle. I mean, it's based off that God created the world. God created all things. I mean, everybody quotes like he knew me in my womb, right? When you go back in the Old Testament. I mean, this is the the God, right, that would know that Abraham would be faithful, would bless his seed and bless many nations, right? So that goes even in the Gentiles. I mean, this is the same God that when you get into like Galatians chapter 2, I believe that he said at an appointed time Christ was sent through a virgin. Mm-hmm. So the, the Reformed th- theologist looks at the Bible and has this idea that God completely controls all things in his determination. Mm-hmm. So, the well, guys, if we had to have a conversation over this, because I, I want us to. I mean, this is we need to be real about this. I mean, what are some first thoughts, right? So we, we haven't dug into this completely. We're not going through A, B, C, and D, but just this idea of, God is completely powerful. We are not. He is all determining. This is what John Calvin held to. I mean, what are our what are our thir- first thoughts about said thirst thoughts? Go ahead, Jake. Well, I mean, uh, it's, it's like you covered, and John, you know, John Calvin uh, in history. I want to say that he had trouble that uh, local governments was after him because of... Uh, Geneva. Yeah. They ran him off. They didn't like it. No, they didn't like it uh, because, it's, once again, it, it started exposing, you know, in the historical time of how people were actually separate. And John Calvin, you know, he, he points... And you go to the, the tulips. You know, total depravity. Uh, how do you... You know, that's where I go first and foremost when it comes to... Uh, what John Calvin's has written and, and what he's wrote, and it's it's a I will say this for first thought because I'm like you, I don't want to get in too far. I don't know we're limited in time. Obviously, we got three more to go if we get there. So John Calvin, when I, I'll give you my first thoughts, I've been accused of being a Calvinist. People I don't even know, and uh, that's all right. And but John Calvin, as a growing up, even me as a as a church kid. He was not well spoken after, um, and and it's not when it comes down to uh, you know his the theology that that he held true that God is God that that God is all knowing that, that there's not anything that happens that God doesn't know was going to happen or you know allowed to happen. It's like uh, you go back to Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, and those are those are not uh, doctrines that are easy to stomach. You know, uh, God is loving. God is caring. Uh, you know, that's what that's what we want to present. Apart from the wrath of God and John Calvin, if you go read his, he he, he made one of the first in the Reformation to say, no, he's both. He's both. Yep. A lot of people want to attribute, you know, the the good to God and their choice and what they've done. And I mean, obviously, you know, look at Martin Luther coming out of, you know, Roman Catholic. And they're trying to put weight on themselves, and John Calvin is is in, during the Reformation. Like, no, it's 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 Christ alone. It's it's Scripture alone. Yeah. It's faith alone. It's to the glory of God alone. So he, you know, all he's a one that really presented that. Put and and he had a lot of enemies because of it. But without getting just in that doctrine of what John Calvin through the Reformation stood for, what he presented, 
um, I don't think there's anybody that would read Scripture and not go along with the you know how the Reformation started and and, and what we are today, what we are today, what we practice today, uh, that Bible you know that we hold and we study, and and our own beliefs today, how God used yeah. the Reformation period and, and John Calvin. Uh, there was one. They were getting together in my mind. The history they were getting together to cover some doctrines. I can't remember if it was. Uh, is there a York, Jort, Dort? You're in that area, somewhere in there. It was a Council of Dort or Council of something. Mm. And in that time frame, when it comes to uh, commentary and verse by verse, you won't you won't find anybody uh, that that covered like John Calvin actually covered. And whatever that council was, they weren't even going to have it. I mean, these are men that all didn't line up, all didn't see eye to yeah. eye. They weren't even going to have it. Yeah. John Calvin didn't come. He said, you have to be there because of the stance that he took on Scripture. So my first thoughts when you hear you know, John Calvin is uh, it brings a little bit of division when you, when you, when you state that yeah. uh, to the church because of and, and a lot of it's ignorance. I'm not saying people are well. I mean, they are not not ignorant in in and of themselves, but, but ignorant of knowing. Not knowing. Yeah, they've just kind of heard somebody say, and they've kind of ran with it. Some preacher behind a pulpit probably shotgunned some stuff that he didn't know about. Yeah. Uh, about you know, hey, I don't believe in Calvin, you know, or something like that. I don't believe in Calvin. I believe in the written word of God. Yep. And you know that's what you know, John Calvin was pursuing. And if you ask uh, Jacob Arminium, I'd say he he was pursuing that. So. You know, that, that's where, and as long, and think about this, as long as mankind is in this body. Go ahead. You're fixing to get, uh, <laughs> I was waiting on my turn, but go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, it just, you know, how many years, uh, look at all the letters written, yeah. all the commentaries yeah. given, and man, we it's are. Smart, it's it, it, very intellectual men. Very, God has blessed very. Some intelligent men to help uh, advance the faith. But here, what I want to understand, help folks understand like myself who are listed this podcast i've hidden in the ignorance bliss yeah. way too long and uh, for a long portion of my life yeah it's easy and I, that way. I, yeah there's le- less expected of you yeah you know what i'm saying so if you're what we want to do with this podcast is to help folks understand hey yeah we're opinionated but we want to keep our opinion out of it we want to push towards a position of educating ourselves mm-hmm. to be more knowledgeable about God's word and the concepts in it mm-hmm. to where that we can help spread the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like when you look at Calvin and, you know, we'll get more in depth in this and we'll get as far as we can today. If we got to do a part two overview, so be it. But when you look at Calvin, I mean, this is a man that his father wanted him to be and, you know, uh, his father. I think it's like Jean Calvin because like it was like French in a sense, so it's like mm-hmm. a little fancy. Sounds better. But when you look at you know how things went for him, I mean, he grew up. His father wanted him to be a lawyer. I mean, he was a part of the church. You know, he did all the ceremonies, all that stuff. But he wanted to be a lawyer, so he goes and you know he becomes that. You know, he's saved, right? And so he's like, you know, at, at this point, I, I want to pursue something different. Father dies, right? So he pursues theology, goes to school for that, okay? You know, on his way to the next school in Germany, and I can't pronounce it, so I'll tell you guys when I have it in front of my face. He goes through Geneva, 
and a guy that I can't remember his name either, but we'll talk about it during that segment, stops him and is like, you know, I want you to stay, and if you don't, I'm going to pray that God curses you. And so John's like, okay, sure, yeah, why not? You know, I'm supposed to stay. And so they start, and then what takes place is what Jake said. The government kind of hears of his biblical doctrine, and they're like, we don't like you, you leave. So uh, yeah. he goes to Germany, and then within like a short time span, they call him, and they're like, we need you to come back. The Catholics are like, really? So he ends up going there and kind of like helps Geneva get away from the Catholic Church, and then it blows up, right? That, oh, we were wrong, you know, wow, you're a great preacher, you know? And w- what I like about this is the man simply preached. That's it. I mean, he preached the depravity of man. He preached salvation in Christ alone. He did have a complete view that God controlled every single detail and bit of life. Our God is powerful. He can. But what I love about the man is he simply represented the gospel. And not only that, I mean, you got to think, the man had lawyer training. So when he got the scriptures and went through them and got to the place, I mean, he defended them. I mean, he went against the Catholics. He went against, why? Because he saw that Scripture wasn't some tradition or some ritual or this. He wanted to stand for the gospel's sake and help people see Christ for who he truly was. And I I have mad respects for that because the man truly wanted the gospel to be spread. And here's the thing. Thank God for him. Thank God for men who will stand and preach. But in God's plan and God's sovereignty, right, the teachings and views of this man, right? The preaching, not even his views, his preaching has left a ripple effect on humankind to what? Point people to a sovereign God and point people to the gospel of Jesus. And I, you know, I want to say this. I think a lot of time people get wrapped up in the pros and the cons and get away from the fact of the gospel. I mean, that's why in Revelations he said, I have this one thing against you, you've left your first love. And if we were to ask this question to ourselves and people who are listening, how many of us have been to that point where we focus on everything else and we forget, right? Or not forget, but we get to the point where we're not staying in our first love, which is the salvation we have in Christ. We're out thinking on everything else of knowledge. And I think people kind of took his message in his way and just kind of contorted it to this guy was this, I, I love that people refer to John MacArthur as this because he's reformed, to this dry raisin <laughs> that just no spiritual, right, no no emotions, no nothing. And it's like MacArthur one time, after he wrote, wrote his book about Strange Fire, about Bethel Church, they kind of like asserted him to like this dried up old man. And he's like, I cry. He's like, I do cry. When we sit here and we, we hear these hymns and these songs of praise, he's like, I do cry because Christ is good. He's like, but I'm not defined by my emotions. I'm defined by Christ. And I believe that's what John Calvin stood for. And so when we go through the theology that he promoted and the, theo- the preaching, right? It seemed like Charles Spurgeon. How many Baptist churches are like, man, we love Charles Spurgeon. Man was reformed. I mean, he agreed with Calvin, but yet they're like, we love Spurgeon. He defines what a Baptist is, and it's like, guys, I mean, he lines up. Because I, I'm like you. like I, I, you know, I grew up in this primitive sense, and then I got into like a, a worldly-mindsetted kind of Christianity. And in both places, it was like John Calvin was like, don't talk about him. 
He's he's a bad guy. I had this thought, and it's terrible. Um, do you guys remember that that documentary of the Pistons basketball team, the Bad Boys, yeah. when they had Lambeer and Isaiah, and like they were beating everybody? That's what the Calvinists have been treated as this group of bad boys yeah. that like they're Christians, but don't man they'll they'll indoctrinate you. Don't be that's not it. So um, Calvinism will be the first thing that we'll talk about. Um, now the second one, uh, this will be interesting. So Arminianism, right? So I'm going to read all this because um, so Arminius. Arminianism is a theological movement in Protestant Christianity that arose as a liberal reaction to Calvinism and the Calvinist doctrine of predestination. The movement began in the early 17th century and asserted that God's sovereignty and human free will are compatible. That's Britain. I can't say this website. I'll put it in like the bio. Um, but listen, Jacob, Jacobus, Jacobus, that's how you say it. Arminius, okay, so he's born like October 10th, 1560. By the way, hey, these are some old guys. Just throwing that out there. These are some old guys. Yeah, you know, and a, a quick fact that I want to implement right here right before you finish reading that is, you know, when I first started studying this or you heard about these guys, I always pictured like two guys in a boxing ring, and uh, Calvin was dead. <laughs> yeah. Before, I mean. And then the Arminian uh, belief system kind of really rose after Jacob Arminian had died. So, you know, in my thinking, as you know, I always pictured uh, one guy on one street corner and one guy on the other street corner who ever preached the loudest one was you know, was not it at all. And when you look at, I mean, this is a Dutch theologian during the Protestant Reformation period whose views became the basis of Arminianism and the Dutch Remistrant movement. He served from 1603 as a professor in theology at the University of Leiden and wrote many books and treatises, or however you say it, on theology. And so here, here's the here's the thought. Now, when you get into the when we get into this Arminius view of things, I, I want you to think about this. It makes this statement that God's sovereignty and human will are compatible. I think people are going to see that. Yeah, they do acknowledge the sovereignty of God, but man, they are all about the free will of man. Like, you decide everything. You choose when you come to Christ. You choose this. You choose. So it really takes away from what God does and how good He is and puts a lot of emphasis on the person. But what I like about this is they, I mean, yeah, they're dead, right? John Calvin's been dead. I mean, people didn't start really talking bad about John Calvin until he was dead, right? That's natural, what men would do. Mm-hmm. But Arminianism is a liberal revolt against Calvinism. So, literally, here's a thought. The Geneva Bible was formed from Reformed men that had the Calvin mindset, the Reformed mindset. So, not only is there different theologies that go against Calvin, but guys, they wrote different Bibles because they hated Calvinism so much. They were like, let's take Holy Scripture, remove all the Geneva stuff out of it, and let's kind of do our own thing, right? So this movement was really a revolt more against Calvinism than it was for truth, because people did not like the idea of God controlling every single detail of life. Now, when you get into double predestination, and we'll we'll talk about that because that's what it all goes back to, this idea that God created some to be predestined for heaven, God created some that were predestined from hell. I don't agree with everything in that. 
But that's where a lot of the difference in this comes from is because they heard John Calvin preach this way and they're like, well, we're against this. And Joseph Arminius was like, that's not how it is. It's for every single person. Listen, John Calvin also believed that the gospel was for every single person. But they went more of like a literal move of like, this is for everyone, but they choose what they want. Now, that brings into question some doctrine. Conviction, right? God draws. So we got to talk about that because John Calvin says not everybody gets it. Jacob Arminius is like, everybody goes through it. You just choose what you want. So we've got to try to find this biblical middle ground of how God predestines. God is sovereign, but yet there is a human free will. And, you know, it's like I heard an example one time. A guy was talking about free will. He's like, so what you, would you eat for lunch today? And, you know, everybody's like, he's like, think of your answer. Think of your answer. You know, I ate Mexican food. So he's like, so you chose to go eat that. Everybody's like, yeah, we chose what we wanted. He's like, okay, well, who gave you the taste buds for it? So there's this thought, right, that John Calvin's like, God created you to have those taste buds and knew you would want Mexican food. And Joseph Arminius is kind of like, no, it's your choice that you do this. So, I mean, obviously right here out of the gate, we've got two different spectrums. But the thing about... Not Joseph, Jacob Arminius. I've probably said Joseph, but you know why? No, because the guy that started the Mormon branch, Joseph Smith, or something like that. So that's why I'm. Yeah, I can't remember. (laughs) No, I I can't remember. But his name's Joseph, the guy that started Mormon. So, but the thing that I I like about this is, you know, some men use this idea of preach, study, or something like study like Calvinist, preach like an Arminius. It's like. It's kind of a humorous thing, but in reality, these men have way too different views of theology and of God and of salvation, of heaven. Of I mean, really, because... Yeah, depends on the depths of, of where they go with that because, you know, we're instructed to preach the truth. Yeah. And uh, it's the Holy Spirit of God. No man comes unless the Father, unless, you know, I draw him. Uh, it goes back to, you know, you Ephesians. Five, you're dead in your trespasses. What what choice can a dead man make? Um, but I think that um, for the, and I'll say well this without getting too far in the depths, you know it's 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 not something to hang up on. No, it's not. It's it, not. It's, yeah. when, when 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 the Bible, the scripture the, refers to us as our our. Our perspective now is like we're looking through a glass darkly. Yeah. Well, some of us' glass is a little bit darker than others. Yeah. You know so there's things that yeah. we will never understand until we're in heaven. And I think that a lot of intelligent people really get hung up and stumble and struggle with things that they want to explain. Mm-hmm. And because, they, <laughs> because they, <laughs> they feel a necessity to offer an explanation, they dig into their own intellect. For sure. Yeah, I'm I also I'm guilty of that, Alan. Yeah. Not like I'm some intellect, but it's kinda like I told Jake, I have this thing about me where it's like when people are like, Well, we really can't answer this or explain it, there's something in me that's like, No, we can. You just gotta mm-hmm. study. So but there's a reality that like even though that like, I could study I mean, for example, like the Trinity, right? My answer if you ask me like, Can you explain the Trinity? I'm like, Yes, I can. But there's also a part of that like no matter as much as I study it's by faith. by faith. You've got to believe in it to exactly, really, truly exactly, grab a hold exactly, of it. Exactly, yeah. But I think you're right, Alan, because... Now, the, I mean, the depths, right? To me, depths are important because 
Like, for example, so, you know, you said Ephesians chapter 2, um, men are dead and their sins and their trespasses. Okay, so let's let's jump to this idea that, you know, first, I, I believe it's like 1 Corinthians 4 or 14, somewhere in there, the Bible says, you know, carnal mind can't understand the things of God. Let's, let's get into Romans 8. The Spirit understands the things of God. So to me, when I hear these two different theologies, I'm like, so does man have spiritual knowledge before he's saved or after? So there is parts of the depths of these theologies. Because Arminius is like, you have that knowledge, right, that you can choose God, and he gives you that. And Calvin's like, no, you're dead. But when God's grace comes in and you're saved, then you have a spiritual knowledge. So it matters. But at the same time, if a man goes his whole life just going through the depths, going through the trenches, going through this and trying to figure out the knowledge that they can have and they can, you know, get, it's kind of like, but where's the faith part of it? And so, you know, it's even like, you know, Solomon, right? God's like, well, what's one thing you want? He's like, wisdom. Well, God gives him wisdom times 100. I mean, you just keep the man's wise, the man's smart, it's all this. And he could explain everything to a T, but yet he still made mistakes in his life. And when you get to the end of Ecclesiastes, he's, they're like, you know, it's this idea where he's like, love God and his commandments. All is vanity. But yet at the end he says, love God and his commandments. So when we look at how John Calvin preaches, or Jacob Arminius preaches, we have to understand and believe that we hope that both men truly were saved and had a conviction to preach truth. Now, here's the thing. I, I bet if you put both men in a pulpit and said, preach the cross, they're going to preach the cross of Christ. Because here's the reality. Even the Calvinist has to admit, we can't tell when people are going to be saved. God can save whoever he wants. The Arminianist has to b- preach that too. God saves, and when he saves, it's up to God. So when two men stand in the pulpit, even if they're an Arminianist or a Calvinist, they still preach the gospel. The same, well, they should preach the gospel the same way. And, you know, I think throughout history and throughout time, people portray this boxing match of, like, this man hated this man. But in reality, I bet if we were to look even deeper, it's not that the two men hated each other, it's that the followers. Because Arminius followers and Calvinist followers were the ones that butted heads and wanted to debate and created all of these doctrines. And, well, Jacob said this and John said this. But in reality, it's, history has construed everything. Like, if the two men were here and we sat them down, I bet we'd hear something completely different than how the two groups of followers portrayed things. Yeah, we're, we're fallen by nature. And, and uh, you know, in pursuit of truth, in pursuit of truth, uh, against, against all pride of what you think you've done or what you know, uh, pursuit of truth, any man who is earnestly seeking truth, I would sit down and discuss truths with anybody, um, even in disagreements. Uh, they don't see things, you know, the way that I, I believe to interpret Scripture. But if, if you're not cautious, it becomes more about that than it does the purpose that, you know, God's God's put us here for. And, uh, you know, it's a debate that is as old as, as these guys and, and the doctrine that they've written. And I agree with you. If they sit down right here, and I mean, you know, at, at this table and today's, they were both in, I believe, in, in pursuit of truth. Yeah. And, but the reality is, is that now we've got two different teams. You're on one or the other. There's really no yeah. in between to a lot of these guys. They're like, you're reformed or you're this. 
And if we're being honest, that's just another division that's crept into the body of Christ. You can't be this and be this. You know, we're against each other. Well, it's like Peter, Peter preached right there in Acts where, where he said that, uh, you know, before the you would be predestined that Christ would die. And uh, and then he, in the same almost brief sentence or paragraph, and he says, and you wicked men crucified him. So it goes from predestined to men making, you know, the wrong choice in the same, uh, you know, little, little context of Scripture. And, and that's where people, they've drawn lines that I, I believe uh, shouldn't be there. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think there is this barrier that men have created, but I think in reality, I think there is a middle ground where you can view free will but also completely agree that God is sovereign because you can only, and I think you said this and maybe Pastor Jason said this, you can only really speak of predestined or things in that area um, if you're looking backwards. So if you're like, God, yeah. everybody can look back and say, well, God did this Man. and God did this. But it's really hard to kind of look in the future and yeah. decide what the future holds because yeah. he told us not to worry about tomorrow. What did he say? He said, so, uh, tomorrow let's go to the marketplace. And he's like, no, don't say that such thing. Say, you know, uh, if God allows, right? Yeah. If God, God does, willing. God willing, right? Yeah. And I've s- said that so many times because I look back in my life and those decisions and, and, and those things that happened I wish didn't happen. And then the good things and the bad things. And I turn around and I'm like, man, God is in control. It's a perfect plan. But tonight, you know, when I... <laughs> I lay my head on my pillow and I'm putting my kids to sleep. I'm praying for right choices tomorrow. I'm praying for the right decisions. God lead me. God show me. Uh, God help me do what's right. Lord help me, you know, for the sake of my kids, for the sake that person that I'm supposed yeah. to meet and I'm supposed to witness to. Um, Lord help me to do, you know. So looking back, it's 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 his. It's always been him, and it's always going to be him. And looking ahead, it's still always him. But I pray for that wisdom of God, you know, to help me make the right choices. And, you know, with the idea that we have to look backwards to see the things that God has done. But it's even like, I mean, the disciples come to Jesus to like teach us how to pray. And what's one thing? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have to understand that like God has a will. Now, when you get into the depths of what God, I mean, God wills every man to be saved. God's will is sanctification. God's will is Christ is going to return, right? There's so many different pieces. But it's like, this is just me. And we'll talk more about, you know, how we interpret Scripture based on these. And I think we've brought up some things today that are going to have, they're going to be discussed. But it's like, God's will for my life is to live for Him for sanctification. And one day, you know, His will was that Christ would die so I could be saved. And part of that will was one day I'm going to be where He is. So, when we get to the point where Jesus is like, okay, now will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it kind of paints this picture of like, it's no longer our life or our will. Paul re- referred to himself as a slave, as a servant. Now, Paul's life was pretty intense. Jesus is like, I, you've been set apart from birth. You're going to learn how to suffer for my name's yeah, sake. Look at the conversion of Paul. And that's what I'm saying. Did, did he have what choice? Do you think the man had a choice? So when he, I mean, think about it. That's what I'm saying. Like he goes into this thing of like where he says like I was set apart at birth, but then yeah, there's says, parts. I think the words were when God seemed fit. Yes, 
And so you get into this idea of like, okay, Paul's been predestined for this work, but yet Paul's like, I surrendered. So he interjects <laughs> this idea of like, he surrendered to God, but... It was predestined. So here's that's part of the idea. Romans 9. I mean, you get into like... You get an Arminius and a Calvinist and set them at a table and you, okay, what does it mean? Yeah, read Romans 9 and let's go. Yeah, yeah. And then you get into that thing about dishonorable vessels that are just used for, they're like, well, they chose that and the Calvinist's like, no, they're predestined for that. So there are a lot of things that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about it, but this is me. It's not my life anymore. No. I mean, here and here's the thing. A lot of people, when they hear Calvinists, they're like, well, you know, they get this, and I've done this before. They get this thought of like, watch, I'm going to get them. Okay, who makes me sin? Go ahead, explain that. And they're like, well, I do. Gotcha. God's yeah. not sovereign all yeah. the way. You can't, he doesn't control. You know, I've been in that situation. <laughs> but here's here's the point. I mean, that's right. God does not make me sin. Now, can God allow situations? Can God allow me to go through tests? Can God allow... He doesn't tempt me, right? He doesn't cause me to do all of these things. Can He allow thorns in the flesh? He can. He certainly can. That's why He said that there is no sin that's uncommon to man. Why? Because all men have endured. Christ endured. And so we look at this thing of like, yeah, when when I sin, I willfully sin. I choose it. The Calvinist is like, okay, you need to repent. And Arminius is like, whoa, 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 you might have lost your salvation. We, you probably need to be reset. Do you see where I'm going? Yeah, like, there's dude, so that, many. Yeah, that's yeah. when I jump off. Of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know if we were going to go there today, but that's when I. That's when I jump. Not off in depth, but it, I, it's willing to mention because. Yeah, if you if you can do something to gain it, then you absolutely can do something to lose it. But that's how but they. You, but you can't do anything to gain it, so therefore. That's how the Arminius view it, though. It's your choice, and you you yeah. lose it. You do this, and well, I mean, it just gets what kills me about that. You know, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're a new creature, at what point do you say, you know what, I don't want to be a new creature anymore? You know, what I'm saying I don't. It doesn't. Yeah, I'm just gonna put everything aside and just go on back and do what I want to do. And, yeah, you know this this this. God, he he's not the most valuable thing. I I think I am. You know, I I don't get where uh, man. That is no that is no hope. That is not a living hope. That is not. But here's the thing: like, how many how many like, for example, like Rio Revolution in Maryville, they preach you can lose your salvation. The Church of Christ preaches you can lose your salvation. A Free Will Baptist Church preaches. I don't know. Is it just like oh, sins committed? Like, as soon as you commit a sin, you're you're out. Well, it depends who you ask because some have this view. Jake, let's say you leave here tonight and you had unrepented sin and you died. Because you didn't repent of those sins before you died, sorry, but you're going to hell. So that's how some of them stand on this point of like unrepented sin. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, if I go off the deep end and kind of commit some sort of apostasy, I've lost my salvation, I need to be saved. But my whole issue is at what point did God create a system of if you go too far, it's too late. Because it took one sin in the garden. Yeah, one and, sin. And God didn't create that and system. Then, Man did when yeah. we start keeping up with the big ones and the little ones. Yeah. And we start determining in our own opinion mm-hmm. what justifies us and what discards us or disqualifies us. Uh, you know, uh, when you go into the Scripture and you see Paul and he's on his way and, and the, the Bible records the words that God spoke to him and said, Paul, why are you kicking against the pricks? 
why why are you why are you hurting yourself mm. why are you doing this mm. you know when when we look at god's love towards us and we're, again i don't want to get in ahead of where we're going with the study but god is loving there is a side of god that is man he is so passionate he's all love. oh yes and he he desires to have that relationship mm-hmm. with us and he 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 draws and he woos and he he he, he is mm. compels us to enter into that relationship with him it's not his will that any perish but all come to repentance and like you know the calvin looks at salvation and they get to the, the tulip p p of tulip the preservation of the saints and this is mm, this is me. When Scripture says that he who starts a good work will finish it, right? Yes, he will. I'm looking at this as like if I were to live my life and think of if I do wrong or if I don't do this enough or I, if I don't do this or if I don't evangelize enough or if I don't preach enough or if I don't share, I'm going to hell. They had this idea of like I'm going to do what I can, and then hopefully when I get to death and I die, I'm going to wake up and God's going to say you did enough. That's works. But you're telling me that Scripture talks about that He will start a work and He will finish it? Yeah. So, well, it's like Hebrews said, uh, when one you know, they, they were eight hours a day, man, up making sacrifice. And he said when Christ died, the one he went and sat down at the right hand of the Father. It was done. It's a, it's a one time, you talk, one sin by one, sin entered the world. Yeah. By one, we were redeemed. Yes. It's Christ. But the same Christ, right? You're telling me that Scripture says and has a doctrine where He's going to persevere me because I can't on my own? Because here's the thing. If sanctification was left up to just the believer with no help by the Holy Spirit, no guidance, what kind of sanctification is that? That's a works. That's a this. But you're telling me a holy God through the power of the Holy Spirit will reprove me, will convict me, will show me where I'm wrong, will show me what I need to cut out of my life. And when I make a mistake or fall short, right, Mm -hmm. draw me to the place Mm -hmm. where I've grieved the Spirit, Mm -hmm. I've quenched the Spirit, and now I'm being called to a place of repentance. That's good. Why? Because it goes back to the whole view it's not about me. It's not. Christ. It's Christ who's in me, right? It's not about all that I have to offer. It's Christ in me. And my whole thing is my faith in Christ is based off of Him. Him drawing me. Yeah, that's what He did. Him drawing me to salvation. Yeah. Him keeping me. Him persevering me. Him revealing things to me. You know, when you start going like Isaiah uh, 43 and you start seeing all these descriptions of like, you know, when you walk through high water, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. When the fire, I'm there. right? And you see all these depictions of how the Lord has always been with His people. And then you tell me, a flawed Gentile, mm-hmm. that because I put my faith in Christ, He will persevere me, He will preserve me, and He will keep me even when I mess up mm-hmm. and He will be the one to grow me? Mm-hmm. Does that not sound more freeing? Mm-hmm. Because that paints this picture of you're not going to go back to the old life or the old ways or the things that God brings you out of. Why? Because you're a new creature in Christ. Yeah. You're new. And He's going to keep. Spirit, it, 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 uh, it brings joy to the Father. I mean, it, it, and it says He, you know, the Holy Spirit honors the Son. And that, that's, He will come in my name. That's, that's it. What? So the, and He said, and, and, and when you get to that, he's, it's good that I go away. You mean Jesus was talking about this? It's, no, no, guys, it's good. Yeah. The comforter's coming. 
The com- he said it's to your advantage yeah. that I go because if I don't go, the helper won't That's come. And you know, when I think about the life, I mean, so it's like this. So how you turn that guy off? Going back to where, we, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, going yeah. back to where. So you know, he said it. You know, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He indwells. I mean, how do you, when you start telling that guy what to do? Well, then there's the this person of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, just the same way as, you know, you, yeah. you tell God what to do and then the same way you're going to tell Jesus what to do. And he's a, the third part of the Trinity, which you explained. And I mean, it just, when do you, when do you, when, it, when am I yeah. telling, you know, so that, that's where I, that's where I fall off the wagon pretty quick. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at all of these things that we've just talked about, you know, Scripture says that God is a jealous God. Why? Because when Israel would go try to worship other gods, my God, who was full of zeal, would bring them back no matter what it took. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he crying, scratching, want you know truth, right? Okay, here comes Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. They're gonna be they're gonna go through trials because they turn their backs against God. But here's the reality: God loved them through that. God was with them through that. And it's like, so what about the Christian that has a bad week, right? I mean, how how many of us have had tough weeks, right? I'm coming out of one. It was a tough week. A lot of different things took place. But yet, through every tough situation, I have a sovereign God that still loves me and will never leave me nor forsake me. But here's another picture. So when we go through, like, people dying early, Right, because we see that picture, even like when it talks about taking the Lord's Supper. If you're not right, you're drinking damnation, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the other idea. We have a loving God that to protect people might take them out early. That's loving right there. And some people are listening to this and they may be like, you're crazy. You're crazy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's reality. Because here, I mean, here, here's the picture. If you're telling me that, right, the rest of my life, let's say I leave here tonight and I fall off the wagon, right, and things just go bad and I've made some bad decisions or this or this or this, I'd rather God take me early. Why? Because that's less suffering I have to go through when I can just go be with Him. But when you look at these two men and the theologies they represent, just to just to hit on that though. Go ahead, Jake. Paul said to live as Christ, to, to die as gain. To die as gain. And but he but he made this comment. He said it's more needful. Yeah, to stay, to remain in the flesh. The point is, the point is, and it, it goes back to the and this is the parable where, where it talks about the workers that had been there all yeah. day. Yeah. And then you got these workers that come in at the end. Paid the same wage. Got paid the same wage. And if you did that in twenty 21 America, you got a right on your hands. But for us, the born again believers, th- that life to live is Christ to die is gain. I mean, if, if we've worked all day and these guys come in at the end and finish this thing, we're so thankful that they showed up right at the end and helped us finish. Amen. And then the, the ones who showed up at the end would look at the ones that, that have been there all day and said, you know what? Thank God. Yeah. Why? Because this goes back to kind of where we started. We got the same goal i got the same goal man it's preach the good news of the gospel to a lost and dying world not just preach it but live it it's the same goal yeah Uh, whether in life yeah whether in death 
Uh, and that's where God is sovereign in, in my life. Uh, whether, you know, tomorrow's my last day, whether I live to be 99, it's God's will, God's plan. And just like those ones who worked all day and those coming at the end, it doesn't matter. I want to see God's will played out in my person, in my family, yeah. in my church. Uh, not because I'm, I'm trying to be something that I'm not. It's because I love him because he first loved me. Yeah. And that's where, you know, the, the sovereignty of God and, and meets the choice of man, where, where those intersect. Uh, given a conversation with anybody on, on some of these doctrines, they might disagree in a few areas. But at the end of the day, just like I said, uh, I made this comment. Uh, there's a church, and I, I don't know where, and I don't get into too the details of it because I really don't know them all. But this one church, you know, they, they've made this stance. Uh, they're, they're very the, the fundamental, the independent. And then, you know, they're, they say some things about the Southern Baptists, you know what I mean? And, and they disagree with some of the, the things. And the Southern Baptists would, would say some things that, about the independent Baptists. And, you know, and I'm trying to relate this to like, you know, a Calvinistic view versus an Armenian view on some doctrines, not all, on some. And I made this comment to, to this guy and I said, I'm going to tell you what. If your pastor, if your pastor who, who's a different denomination, uh, not denomination, but like a, a different, like they're independent. If your pastor and my pastor, Jason, if they sat down and they discussed the gospel, they're not going to have any difference. I mean, when it gets to the thick of it, like what it, you know, what, if you said that, you're going to find that you really got more in common. It's just these little side notes uh, that, we allow to creep in and, and, and separate us. Um, it's like, you know, just like Calvin and, and, and jo, J- Joseph, I keep calling him Joseph, Jacob, Armenian, you know, they didn't even live in the same time frame. And like you said, the Armenian, I really feel like he coined that uh, to oppose what those people were calling Calvinists. And what happened was is they just opposed him first. They read his and it's like, oh, yeah, no, this can't be it. Instead of reading the Bible and saying, "Okay, this is it," yeah. So let, let's let's just make this note. Let's read the Word and say this is it first before we start reading what you know what Alan says and saying, "Oh no, I'm more, you know you're wrong first. Right. Let let the Bible be accurate first, and then everything else around it. You, you'll you'll see that it kind of kind of and that's where, like I said, I get hung up on the sovereignty. Of God, no one. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that, like, when you view sovereignty from the point of like, I mean, God's on the throne. A phrase, Jake, you say a lot. I mean, that's why I got carried away earlier talking about, you know, if God does this, or if God takes someone out for His benefit, or if God prospers them, if God is this, it's because my view of sovereignty is like God's carried me. He's going to keep carrying me, yeah, right? Yeah. He's going to be with me. Mm-hmm. Now, like, are there views of sovereignty that, like, you know, it's like, let's say you go, and I'll say this. One day I was fishing, right? Awful. Broke my pole. I mean, this is, this is literally last week, if I'm being honest. On Sunday? No. Fishing on Sunday broke your pole? <laughs> no, it was like Thursday. Broke my pole. I was like, this is a sign. Something's wrong with my life. Something's not right, God. I, I know that you're revealing truth to me. Sin in the camp. Yeah, there's sin yeah, in the camp. Right. But you know what's funny is I'm sitting there kind of having a pity party, and then I start rolling in the fish in the boat. And mm-hmm. I looked I looked at my dad, and out of humor, most of the time I said, man, God is with me. Right? But 
that's an idea of how some people view the sovereignty of God of like, if something goes wrong, God's against me. God's mad at me. But if things go great, God's for me. So I think. Oh, you're absolutely right. So I think. So being, you know, me and my. I've done it. That's what I'm saying. Like I think not over a fishing pole. I mean, my mom died. You know, the fishing pole. uh, No, so don't do that. But here's the thing: it's like there is a point I think a person can get to where they almost have this like unhealthy view of God of like, okay, well this is going wrong, so something Mm -hmm. must be. That's not accurate. That's I think I think uh, either intentionally or unintentionally we probably aid in that a little bit because just like we talked about earlier, where we get into these. Uh, conversations that spin off into these counterproductive and almost destructive uh, viewpoints where now we're dividing and it's it's instead of being attractive to a lost and dying world it's repulsive because we're doing nothing but fighting amongst ourselves Mm -hmm. yeah and you know when you look at like the old testament sense of like when people did things wrong and god sent judgment or god sent there it is. So can can God do that? Absolutely he can. But if I go through life basing on good, I mean, a day of not catching fish, it's just fishing. It's called fishing, not catching, well, it's right? Like, I'll share it with, with my personal is is because, uh, you know, mom died, and it's been, let's say, 09, so 12 years now. And when that happened, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you these two scenarios, uh, because you know, she died, and, and as, as weak as I was at that at that moment, you know, how I blamed me if I would if I would have lived better, mm. if, if I would have served better, mm. if I would have done better. And I promise you, what I'm fixing to say is going to resonate with so many people. If I would just live for God, if I'd have made the right choices, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I. So, okay, in that situation, when you look at that, um, what am I putting the weight on? You. So in that same situation, the Lord took mom home. And I view that situation as I've grown from it. I'm not the same man because of it. Yeah. I hate it. You say, well, you're telling me God wanted your mom to die. Hey, he sent his only begotten son to mm-hmm. die on the cross. Right. Now, here's my point. When I look at that, and I look at that, that, that you know, her, her death, and in view of the sovereignty of God, there is a comfort and a joy knowing that she is at his feet at this very present moment. Yes. And there's a comfort and a joy in my faith knowing that that was God's plan before the foundation of the world. Now, as long as I want to put it on me, you know, I did and I did and I did and I did. And don't get me wrong. We are affected. We are affected by our choices, the decisions, the, yeah. the things. And I'm not, I'm not ever going to play away from that. But at the same time, when I view this life as something that I control or by faith as something that's in His control, and there's freedom knowing yeah. there's and, freedom. And I love that you just said that, Jake. And uh, we'll get to universalism, traditionalism next week. But I love that you just said that because I literally was thinking about the same idea of, you know, one time... Um, actually, it might have been when Haley got COVID or when she was sick or something last year. You know, I jumped to conclusions and I was like begging God. I was like, "Put it on me. Don't let her be sick, God. Don't don't let this kill her, uh, God. She's gotten this because of something I've done in my life." Yeah. And then you literally said that, but it's the, this thing of like, 
why am I making myself like the superhero? Why am I making myself like this man of God who everyone's life is affected by what I do? But that's that's not reality. Now, like, you know, I, I talked to a man once that God was calling him to preach. And he started suffering and his family started suffering, not because God's mean, but because God was really trying to get a hold of him. Can God do that? Yes. Chastisement. Chastisement. Saying, if you're not mine, you Yes. Yeah. And so that's where I'm saying, like, can God do those things? Yeah. I mean, if he convicts you of sin you've done in your life, guess what? You're being reproved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be being, getting in a process of being chastised. Whatever way, it, it's coming, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, me getting to that point where I was like, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for I'm a wretched man. Don't punish her for me. Don't do this. Or, you know, she jumped off into the lake once. says, God, God, please don't let her drown because I know I, I've done. You said it. Who am I making that about? Me. And the reality is, is the world don't revolve around no, Hunter. No. And, you know. Apostle Paul said, I know what it's like to be up. I know what it's like to be, be down. down. Yeah. Do all things. That's the context of that. Yeah. Giving him uh, credit where credit's due. Giving him all the glory with every moment of yeah. our life. And as we go through, well, these these two that we've talked about today, we're going to talk about where God could receive glory and does receive glory out of both men who preach. But, man, there's some ideas that both men taught that I don't think I support. I don't think you all support. We'll go through those things and kind of give a brief history. Are you profiling me? Huh? No, I'm not. <laughs> but uh, now when we get to traditionalism and especially universalism, yeah, we've got some things to talk about because, yeah. man, those are yeah. interesting. And then I'll, I'll be looking forward to, you know, when we break down and, and start going individual. It, it's so hard to – Yeah. Four, I mean, it, it – We'll do diligence and, and you know and give the give the information. Yeah. And it's like when we started this, you know, we were talking, how do we do this? And, you know, Josh had the grand idea. He's like, we should really set the stage for the four things we're going to discuss, however long it takes. I was like, that's a great idea. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing that it would be hard not to want to dive into mm-hmm. and just absolutely start breaking things apart. And I'm looking forward to that. But we want you all as our listeners. We want to do you all justice by setting the stage of what these next however many weeks are going to look like. Because this is reality. Mm-hmm. You're listening to somebody, right, that either follows after a certain theology, mm-hmm. follows after a certain man, Absolutely. or they're just like, I preach the Word of God, and yeah. if I agree, I agree, and if I don't, well, it's, I don't. It's mainly the guy behind the pulpit at the church they attend. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's where yeah. it's... And here's another thing, too, is... Uh, encourage want to encourage anybody listening any questions any questions whatsoever yeah um hunter can give you the link or they know that. they know we got a facebook for this so you message yeah, us please, or please media watching chapel not dot net send them uh, in and you know questions he, are, are really wanted yeah and if you i mean you know where we are you know where we go to church mm-hmm. you want to have a, a sit down conversation mm-hmm. i mean that's that's welcomed um yeah, because boxing match maybe not that maybe not well i mean it might come down to it i don't know but i mean here's here's the reality and this is a lesson i'm having to learn in my own life we welcome these things because it's all about edifying the body of christ and lifting everything up now these two men in here they probably have more of a maturity about them that it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks it only matters about 
you before God. And while I'm a younger man, and sometimes I wear my feelings on my sleeves and I care about what people think too much, the reality is, is Paul said it. When did, it, did, did I come to you wanting to please men? No. 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 And that's not... apostle of Jesus Christ, not of men. And so, you know, we welcome these things, even yes, if yeah. you disagree, because... Yep. We want to know those, too. Yeah, and if we're wrong, show us. Please. And we'll... we'll I don't know, not convert, but we'll we'll slide on over. I don't know what that'll look like, but um, hey, we love you guys, and you know we hope you feel encouraged, and we look forward to next week. Men, do y'all have anything else? God bless. God bless. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Peace out.